radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Steven's a man, but they're going to come out the center right. They get away from everybody. Going to be one on one here. Steven's a man. Ah, they come together. And they're standing toe to toe, plugging it out. Now they wrestle. Big left hand by Steven's in a big right by Manson. And two of the toughest defensemen in the league. For the week of March 15th, 2019, I am Coach Rockhouse, a.k.a. James Cole, Puck77. And I'm Brutz Vitaglia, ESPN. No, I'm just kidding, Puck77. Uh, that's a big promotion. If, uh, in one yeah, not, week, you not, from... not quite. That would be a quick-moving season, I think. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's gone from, like, a, uh independent blog site to ESPN in a matter of, like, and this is why I decided to join the Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, we figured we'd get James to lead you guys in to throw you off. Uh, but yeah, this is this will be a fun week. Nothing happened, really. No, nothing One happened. big thing happened, and then nothing happened, really. I, I'm hoping a lot of people have this podcast uh, at their ready uh, Friday evening. They've got a couple brews in hand. It's St. Patty's Day weekend. Oh, you know, yeah. we're having a good time because... This is going to be a much better episode if you've already been drinking. I yeah, can tell you probably. That. We've had a couple too, so that helps. Yeah, this week. So, um, have you been? Have you watched anything recently? You've been watching stuff, seen anything good? Before we get into it, oh, you know what? I was watching something the other day, and nice. I fell asleep during it, and now I can't remember what it was. I was watching some documentary, but uh, oh, losers. Uh, on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I see like uh, a million and one people recommended that to me. And told me to go and watch it, and I watched it. I don't know. Which episode did you watch? I try. I watched the first like three. Hmm. Couldn't get it. I don't know. Uh, the curling one uh, is where I started, which is like episode seven. Okay. Because it's uh, it's all about Al Hackner. Yeah, people have so. recommended that one to me, so maybe I will give that one a try. But I don't know. I just I, I found it hard to follow. The golf it's one's just good really, too. Really like kind of. Golf one was fun. I, I didn't watched, like the boxing one. I watched one. the boxing one. I watched the soccer one. Yeah. Soccer one was interesting, but it was just like. It was like 18 minutes of like, if they don't win this game, they're going to lose their team. That bloody dog. Like, that bloody dog we, has got them back in the leg. We were all right, scared, right? Because we thought we might lose our team. And, and like, it's like, okay, I get it. You're going to lose the team. I don't, I don't care. Oh, it's bloody what ha- Then what happened? These bloody blokes were all scared they're going to lose their team. I'll probably going to lose my leg. I'm going to go, damn dog. That wasn't a bad Cockney accent. Thank you. That was okay. I've do heard it, worse. Do what I can. Um, I've been watching, uh, that 70s show, which I've seen before. Wow. So, okay. So, but I have to preface this. So you saw this and maybe people did, or maybe they didn't, I don't know. But I tweeted something about how I don't think a show has fallen off a cliff quite the way that 70s show does. Like, I'm not going to say end of season seven, like maybe it is mid season seven. I will say end of season seven. Cause I think season seven's fine. 
Yeah, it's not good. It should have ended there. But season season eight is horrendous. Yeah. And I get it. They tried to adapt and they tried to do things. They bring in a new character. Now we've got Randy. Somehow they convinced Tommy Chong to come back. But like, I don't know. Very few, very few funny jokes. You know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it, it's one thing to lose a couple of your key uh, actors. You know, they lost two big, uh, big hitters in in Eric and, and Kelso that season. But that doesn't necessarily mean the writing should have gone off the cliff. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where I kind of get a little confused as to why that show was so bad that last year. But I don't know. I guess I guess no one is funny forever. No, I don't think so. Ooh. Why not? Why can't you be funny forever? No, just just like you can't you just like you can't be the best hockey player in the world forever. Uh, eventually, one day, hmm. you just don't have it anymore. You know, the the legs give out, the knees give out, the back gives out, and uh, sometimes you're just not funny anymore. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew uh, when I let you lead in the podcast, it was going to be quite a depressing nosedive within the next uh, two and a half minutes. But uh, drink up. What like what other like are there other shows that you think fell off a cliff worse? Because that was some of the feedback I got. Some people said Dexter. I don't know. I, I didn't... And anything by Chuck Lore. Who? Bill Lore. What the hell is he? Two and a half men. Who, who's the guy who made Two and a Half Men? Oh, I don't know. I think it's Chuck Lore. Charlie Sheen. No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But the guy that. I, I don't... Yeah. Anything that uh-huh. that guy's ever produced. I'm pretty sure Oren Coolis is a. Uh executive producer on uh, Two and a Half Men, which is Mint, because he used to own the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nice. Not funny either. But mm, no. 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 Mm. Yeah, so, I don't know. You think, is it the worst? Of any show you've liked? Like, is uh... any show, like, is any show you've liked just gone on to disappoint you in such a amazing fashion after it, a while? In in that fashion, no. Like Because, I mean, that is one of your favorite shows, it so is. it's harder to... So... Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't love the last season of House, but it was okay. It wasn't anywhere near the drop-off that the 70s show had. Yeah, no, I was going to say, that was another one where, like, they did their best with what they could and what they had. I liked the last episode. I thought they actually, like, ended it off right. But the lead-up into it wasn't right. Yeah, and that that just seemed like a a consequence of, like, yeah, we decided what we want the last episode to be in, like, season four. They decided what that was going to be, right? And it was just like, oh, we got to find a way to get there. And through yeah, eighteen in, in episodes, a way, of the right? I mean, like the one thing I'll give House, and you know, this is what happens to a lot of network dramas. I mean, a network dramas have no balls, basically. They don't want to take any risks and like upset the casual viewer. But b like a lot of these drama series we've seen, like The Sopranos and like Breaking Bad, they do like. 50, 60, 70, 100 at the most episodes. These network dramas are on 22 episodes a year, not mm. 10, not 13. Yeah. So they have to find a way to make it, A, like a season makes sense longer. And B, they have to find a way to like make their characters work as long. So like it's hard to kind of work that dynamic. You know what I mean? Like that's one reason I always really had respect for House. Because like that must have been tough to write mm-hmm. that series, yeah. I would think. Uh, the Simpsons, or not the Simpsons, Family Guy. Oh, this is like, that fell off. Fa- family Guy. That, the, oof. Yeah. I see, Family Guy's an interesting one because, like, I think most people are checked out on Family Guy now, but, like, I've, I, I gave it a chance, mm-hmm. again, and I think it's, like, gone back up. It might have. And I think it's, it's, 
maybe not fixed its problems, but it's kind of like harnessed a new type of comedy a little bit. Okay. I don't know. Just did anyone notice? Is anyone still watching? I noticed. Or? I yeah. guess oh, that's, if that's anyone's good. listening, I don't want to be on the show or anything. But right. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the, those are your thoughts. That's I those guess. are my thoughts. Well, since we're talking about mediocre series. <laughs> yep. Um, it, it, it's March, James. That it is. And what I figured uh, we would start here is a is a new little segment, a new little little game show for you that we're gonna do. Uh, maybe not every week, but I'll I'll pose it to you every week or two, and we'll see. Um, because it's March, mediocre March. We're gonna focus on some mediocre players with our new segment, over unders. Hmm. Here's how it works, James. I'm going to give you a category. Uh, I'm going to give you some players within that category. And you're going to tell me over or under the number I give you. So, for example, I'm going to ask for the first category, career total game played. And I'm going to give you three players. And then for each player, you're going to get a number. And you got to tell me for each player kind of thing as we go uh, on. Okay. And then it's going to be career high goals in a season. So, so it's... It's a different number for each guy. You're not going to be like yeah, 1,500 no. and all no. three guys. And, no, it's oh, so we're going to be all oh, the boy. Oh, yeah. Oh. We're just going to play by player. Don't worry. Okay. And then career career win totals and then career high points. Sorry, what was the second one? It's career high goals. Goals. Okay. In a season. Okay. okay. In a season. Season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Career total games played. All right. Number one. Mm-hmm. Carl Dykehouse. I'm familiar. Blackhawk. Canadian. Great name. Yeah. Over, under, 750 games. Over. It's actually under. Right. Carl Dykehouse played 644 games in the NHL. Good start. Yeah. Good start. You're over one. Number two, Branko Radovojevic. Over, under, 425 games. 425, eh? Branko. Branko. Good old Branky. Branky Ratty. Yotes. Wild. I'm going over. Wasn't there another team in there? I think um, it was. It's under. Jesus Christ. 393 games played in the National Hockey League. Uh-huh. For Branko Radovojevic. You're over yeah, two. At least he's getting that pension, I guess. Yeah, whatever. All right. The final game played one. Former Maple Leaf great, Aki Berg. Mm. Over, under, 500 games. Wow. Nice. I'm trying to think if he went anywhere after the Leafs, or if he just went back to Finland after he after his Leaf that's contract the, was was up. That's the uh, that's the question. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. How long was he in LA? I'm going under. Aki Berg played 606 games. Jesus they, it's over. I'm, did, I'm sorry. Did, did he go anywhere after Toronto? Do you no. Know? You don't know? No, he, no, no, he doesn't. It? No, I know for sure he didn't go anywhere after. L.A., Toronto, in and out, 606 games. He does seem like someone that would have like spent a, a game. Yeah. spent a year in Columbus or something at the Guadalala. end. You know? All right, well, you went over three on the games played, but uh, we'll, we're going to goals. Maybe, uh, maybe you can do a little bit better here, okay? Sure. Number one for goals. Joseph Stumple. Over, under, 
25 goals as a career high in a season. I, I can't wait to find out that like people have been like very confused come Saturday afternoon and are just tweeting at us. Who the hell is Branko Radovojevic? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah we're, we're naming all the names all the kids now. Yeah, apparently. Um, Working into our millennial audience. 25 goals in the season for Stumps, eh? Joseph um, Stumple. I, I'm going to say he maxed out at like 22, so under. You are one for four now, my friend. Uh, Joseph Stumple under 23 goals in 06-07 with, I think it was a Florida Panthers. Put it on the board. His second last season, interestingly enough. Huh. Career high in goals. Thanks. Um, you're number two for career high in goals. Sheldon Surrey. Okay. Over... Or under 28 goals. 28. Wow, that's... got to remember, big, yeah. big contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. No, I know he had a he had a big season. And I, I want to say he might be the last... No, because Mike, Mike Green did it. But I, I, I think he was a 30-goal scorer. So I'm, I'm going to go over. I thought so too, but it is under, my friend. Hmm. 26 goals in also 06-07. Okay. So he outscored Joseph Stumple that year. That's yes. Great. Yes. Um, the third for career high in goals, Mike Sillinger. Over or under 22 goals as a career high? Over. Mike Sillinger had 26 goals in 2006-2007. That recent, The eh? same year as... Surrey and Stumple's career high. I, I thought he had it when he was with Florida, but no, no. So you did all right there. Okay. You did what? Two for three. Two you for went three. on that one, yeah. so you're 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 two for six. Nice. Okay. Well, there's still lots of time. Come back. Our third category is career total wins. Our first goaltender, Brent Johnson, over or under 125 wins. Under. Over. Brent Johnson won 140 games in his National Hockey League career. You're two for seven. (laughs) I like this new game. (laughs) I love this. Our second goaltender. Fred Brathwaite. Over or under 105 career wins. Over. Fred Brathwaite only won 81 games in the National Hockey League. It is, a, is it an under, sir. You are two for eight. You have to you have to run the table at this point to get 50. percent Give me the table. Tough first week. <laughs> Give me the table. <laughs> All right, your last goaltender, Ty Conklin, over or under 90 wins. Uh. <laughs> See, I picked a number just close yeah, enough. No, I hate you. Uh, over. Ty Conklin won 96 career games. The answer's over, sir. You're you're on your way to running the table here. Yeah. Three for nine. Down down 0-3 in the series. Here we go. Yep. Okay. Career high in points. Number one. Dick Tarnstrom. Over or under 42 points in a season. If it's over, I may have to reconsider being a hockey podcast co-host. So I'm going under. Dick Tarnstrom 
had 52 points in 2003. All right, folks. Uh, next week, please enjoy <laughs> Bruce and uh, Mike Wern, who will be taking over full time. Mm, um, Sucker. 52 points, Dick Turnstrom, and that's that's it for me. Thank you very much. They're going home. I can't wait to ask you career total in points next week for Dick Turnstrom, and then the number's like 95 or something. Like, it's not high. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess it's garbage time here, but we'll uh, we'll see what you can do. Big gulps, huh? Try to get that average up here. Um, Richard Zednick, over or under 65 points in a season? Ah, he had a 70-point season with the Habs, I'm sure. I'm going over. Richard Zednick had 50 points twice in 2002-2003 and 2003-2004. You tell me Dick Turnstrom outscored Zednick I'm every telling you, season of Zednick. I'm telling career. you that Dick Turnstrom had more points than Dick Zednick. There's too many dicks in this room. <laughs> uh, all right. Peter Pruka. Over or under 53 points? Under. You got that one there, buddy. 47 in 0506. So a nice, cool 4 for 12. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love our new segment. It's great. I can't wait to do it again. I'm looking forward to it. Um, this week there was a tweet by, I think it was Jim Matheson. Uh, it was one of the Oilers writers about how uh, Keith Gretzky should be considered for the vacancy in Edmonton. Um, there's a lot of things to unpack, maybe, with that one. The first, maybe, being is that there was also a tweet that said Keith Gretzky's not part of the old boys club, which I don't necessarily agree with, because the biggest part about the old boys club is that they're old boys. And Keith Gretzky's definitely that and has been around the game for a while, in an interesting capacity. What is your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers GM vacancy, and I guess in relation to Keith Gretzky? You know, because relation is a big part of Keith Gretzky's uh, life. You're not you know, wrong. Relation has a little bit to do with certain however, things, perhaps. However, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. Big Keith Gretzky guy. Yeah, well... Okay, so so Wayne Gretzky is seen by many to have been the greatest hockey player that the game has ever seen. And I'm sure there's a lot of evidence to support that. You know, something along the lines of 60-some-odd records in the league. And all of that success and all of that talent that Wayne Gretzky possessed as a hockey player uh, did not translate into meaning that Keith Gretzky was a good hockey player. Because Keith Gretzky was not a good hockey player, evident by the fact that Keith Gretzky never made it to the NHL. What about Brent Gretzky? Uh, yes, Brent Gretzky did appear in about 49 games, I believe, with the Tampa Lightning. But the, over or under? No, I'm just saying, yeah, fuck. Um, so that being said, I think Keith Gretzky, his skills as a general manager aren't dependent upon his brother's skills. As a hockey player, you know, you know, what I'm saying, like, I, I get the name factor, and I'm sure that helped get him started. What do you make of the whole thing of him being essentially? I mean, you know, it's all rumor and hearsay, but like, what do you make of him being like a major part of driving Tyler Sagan out of Boston? Like, do you? I mean, a, do you think that's true? 
but more so B, because, I mean, there's a lot of reports backing it up. Like, do you think that maybe he is part of the old boys club in the sense where maybe he prioritizes certain things that aren't quite as important in today's NHL? Like in, in a younger star kind of thing. And, and, you know, not to say he's going to run Connor McDavid out of town, but like a situation such as that. Well, I'll put it this way. I like Tyler Sagan. I think he's a good hockey player. But the Boston Bruins have had far more success in the NHL since they got rid of Tyler Sagan than both the Dallas Stars and the Edmonton Oilers combined. I'm not saying that Tyler Sagan was the problem, but it's not like trading Tyler Sagan away from Boston scuttled the Boston Bruins and now they're the epitome of the league. So the idea that Tyler Sagan... Zero, zero cups since sh- the Sagan trade. Sure, but <laughs> more, like I said, more, more, more success than either of those two teams combined. So... I don't know. I, I don't. I don't buy the whole idea that like Sagan being traded away from Boston was a bad move, because the Bruins have been one of the best teams in the league over the past what eight years. Yeah. So I mean, I think you're allowed to make bad moves and and still be a good team. Um, but the one thing that is kind of interesting, sort of to go off your point though, is you know, would the Boston Bruins be the team that they are today? if they don't make that trade. And I mean, maybe they're better, maybe they're worse off. Like maybe they, maybe they moved Krejci years ago and now they've got Sagan as a number two center. And like, I fucking rather have Tyler Sagan than David Krejci. Like no one's going to disagree with that. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, maybe they make a worse trade for Sagan because they get back to a hole. Maybe he gets offer sheeted and, and, you know, the picks turn into nothing. Like, it, it, no, no one gets offer sheet. Uh, what are you? It's, come on now. Except for Mitch Marner. Yeah. Every day of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really a big fan of this whole Keith Gretzky thing. I don't I don't really see the merit, but I mean, I, I'm not in the rooms. I think the So problem... I don't know for sure. I don't know what comes of his mouth and what he believes in yeah. hockey. But I don't think his track record, this is what I'm getting at. Like, I don't think his track record uh, indicates anything close to a general manager. So there's something going on. There's something being said that I don't know about, I think, because I don't think, he, I don't think we've ever seen a GM follow a similar path to keep Keith Gretzky. Like he's kind of just not achieved a lot and just sort of kind of got there and good for him. But like, I, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't really add up to me quite that much. I'm not saying it's a nepotism thing. Hmm. I mean, it, I, I, I mean that said, it's definitely a nepotism thing, but, <laughs> but like, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Cause like, whatever, but I, I don't know. I, I don't really get it. I don't really see what they're what they're seeing there. And I'm not saying there's like a bunch of super GMs out there waiting to be hired. But no, I like I, I don't think there's probably better candidates. I don't think he's their choice. But I also don't think that he's bad at the job. I don't think this is a story if he's in any other market than Edmonton. And I think he's better. Like he's he's a better option than Peter Shrelly was. So the weird thing about it, though, like I, I get it, like I agree with you. It, it probably isn't. It's probably not the same story if it's not in Edmonton. But I think it would make less sense if he weren't in Edmonton. And I do sort of think that the Edmonton media has kind of hopped on the the Keith Gretzky bandwagon. Not not through. I'm not going to say like rightly or wrongly, but I definitely think that the decision gets defended a little bit more because it's in Edmonton, I think, than maybe if it were in 
I don't know, Arizona. Yeah. It just it wouldn't really make a lot of sense there. You know? Sure. It, just, I mean, like, no reason behind it. I look at, like, Patty Waugh getting hired by the Avs, Joe Sackett getting hired by the Avs, Rod Brindamore getting hired. Like, these are just... Oh, for sure. It's and the same idea. Ron Francis, right. Right? So... Yeah. I don't know. Just the guy never played there. His brother did. So... Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of those guys, like... I mean, it's hard to say if they're qualified or not because, like, they played in the league, but that doesn't necessarily make them qualified to run a team. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, I don't really know, like, what Keith Gretzky has done to get in this position that's been so great, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really think there is much of a track record of winning there, of establishing an amazing culture. Yeah. Definitely was a high-end scout for Boston. Like, definitely a better scout, but... um. That doesn't mean he knows how to make phone calls and negotiate sure. trades. I mean, like, there's some names being floated around. And again, like I said, like, I'd rather have him over Shirelli. I'd rather have him over Nonis. Uh, yeah. I'd rather have him over... Yeah, should we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Did we ever talk about that? No, we didn't. Did We didn't? No. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. So last week, uh, Darren Dreger was on... Uh... We didn't talk about that? We did not talk about that. Have you that. heard about this? Wing, uh, yeah, fucking uh, Darren Dreger was on TSN radio and was talking about how uh, Dave Nonis deserves to be in the conversation uh, for Oilers GM. For well, in, in in yes, but in relation to what he's done with Toronto, because his fingerprints are all over the Leafs organization. To which I would say uh, he's related to the Leafs organization in the sense that like you can track certain players they have through trade trees four or five moves ago from what Nonis did back when he was there. Aside from, I believe, drafting Travis Dermott and bringing in the Nathan Horton contract. I don't even think he drafted Dermott. Dermott Dermot and Matthews were the same Dermot, draft, weren't they? I think, I think the pick that they traded was oh, like a pick, yeah, like okay. used with a pick yeah, that yeah. Nonis acquired. I teach me. You know what I mean? Like, it's very loosely Dermott. Because that was the that was the Nathan Horton trade. It's essentially Nathan Horton. Yeah. Like that's essentially all he all that's left there. Like uh, unless I'm missing things. Oh, just take a little trip down the rabbit hole. Oh here. fuck, man. Uh, yeah, I, I did that shortly after the tweet. But like, to me, like I I just I don't understand because if you look at what Nonas did while he was there, his moves were so inconsequential. Like he was like a, he didn't make this trade, but like he was a big like trade Alexi Ponikarovsky for, like, a fifth-round pick and Luka Caputi. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, what do I care? Like, you know, he made so many moves of non-consequence while he was with Toronto. And we haven't necessarily reached a point where we're completely out of what is left, but there's not much. There's nothing to be proud of. Like, there's nothing there. It's not like the guy traded for first overall and then, like, got fired and the Leafs fucking drafted Austin Matthews with that pick or something. Like, it's not like this guy's getting gypped. He's he's remembered by Maple Leafs fans. He's not the worst GM we've had ever. He's definitely not the best, though. No, that's true. Uh, he he did draft uh, Freddy Goche. So, you know, credit where credit's due there. Sure, yeah, that fingerprint will be gone. In uh, did he... Did he acquire... No, he didn't acquire Zach Hyman. No. Uh, no that was a Babcock era um, move. He drafted Andreas Janssen in the seventh round. Sure. Nice. Good sure. call. 
Sure. Good call. I'm sure he was the one scouting Andreas Janssen in Sweden in the fucking cold nights in December. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, Acquired Marty Marincin? He did not. No. He was relieved <laughs> by that point. Oh, my God. Uh, Fuck, you can't even acquire the seventh defenseman on the Leafs. When was he gone? What else he got? Keep him coming at me. Uh, yeah, like everything. We should do a oh, he, he drafted William Nylander. Sorry. Did he? Yeah, there you go. I will give him credit where credit is due. He drafted right. William Nylander. Okay. I don't think he drafted Riley. I don't believe so. No, no, didn't get Riley. Wasn't there very long. You gotta remember that too. He was only the GM for what two and a half years. If that, you're not wrong. So I don't know. I I I think it's weird, but I mean, of course, Darren Dreger's related to to Dave Nonis, so whatever he can kind of say whatever he wants about Dave Nonis. Look, look, I don't think Dave Nonis is completely unqualified. Oh, he is. Would you rather Keith Gretzky than Dave Nonis? I don't know if I agree with that. No, I would. But I mean, the problem is, is that. Nonis has openly made mistakes, whereas exactly. Keith Gretzky hasn't had the opportunity to do so. And that's exactly but why I would take him but over they're, Nonis. They're coming. I well, take I, I take you over Nonis. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, so would I. I take Cliff but, Fletcher over Nonis, and Cliff Fletcher doesn't even know which box he's sitting in at the Scotiabank Arena anymore. So <laughs> we're going to see Bobby Darren at the Copa tomorrow. That's right, Cliff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I don't really get the Keith Gretzky thing. I mean, I get it, but like I don't I don't love it. I think it's uh, I think it's weird, and I, I hope they don't do it. But they'll probably do it, and maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll be right, and I'll be wrong, but probably not. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning played the other night, and a, a video surfaced online of a, a homophobic slur potentially coming from a mic somewhere at the Leafs level. Now, whether that came from a ref's mic or an announcer's mic or one of the various other mics that apparently exist and all of a sudden, um, regardless, it, it was uh, it sounded bad, and a lot of people took to Twitter because in the moment of said thing being said, you can kind of see Morgan Riley look over at the ref, and a lot of people assume that Morgan Riley was saying these things. And so the NHL did a thorough investigation. Of course, we know now that Morgan Riley did not say what people thought was said. The Toronto Maple Leafs came out and had a press conference of Kyle Dubas and Morgan Riley reiterating their support for the LGBTQ. TQ. It is a tongue twister, I gotta say. Um, community and 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 obviously, you know, voice their support of of members of that community, but also being ambassadors of that community and being trying to be the most welcoming hockey club that they can possibly be. Um, the Leafs handled it incredibly well. A lot of people on Twitter did not, but that's why a lot of people on Twitter don't get paid money to work in the NHL and rather observe, uh, well, you, from afar and make gifts and things like that in their own time. But, you see, you see, Twitter's free, so anyone can yeah, join. Yeah, well, I, I know and then I anyone can spew their thoughts on Twitter. Um, look, I watched it a few times, and I, I sort of got under the impression uh, I I knew immediately that that was not Morgan Riley. Just didn't. It, it, I don't understand what Mike could have picked that up. That was what kind of like caught me. I saw that, and like I've heard Mike's from behind the net, but it's it, like it's usually at rinks where there's cameras. In the corners. They don't have those at the ACC. They do in the one, but not in the other. 
Sure. There's no mics down there, as far as I know. It's it's not even about the mics for me. It's about okay, like not at the NHL level, granted, but you and I have both been behind a bench at a hockey game. Sure. You know, from the bench, if one of your guys on the ice is saying something to the referee. Beyond that, the referee knows if somebody's saying something to them. Yeah, I mean, my first issue with it, too, when I saw it, and you, you look at Morgan Riley, and he kind of looks like he yells at the ref. But, like, if, if Morgan Riley said that... Yeah. How is... How, like, <laughs> first off, like, the question... Like, sure, you point, the, you point the figure of whoever said it, but, like, how are we not looking at the ref immediately and being like, how does he not throw the guy out immediately? Sure. Because the NHL is trying to make all these steps to try and stay away from this kind of language, this type of image. Like we don't, we don't want this to be part of our game, and, and rightfully so. But it, like, it just didn't add up right from the get-go. And I don't understand how people could watch the video once or twice and deduce that it was definitely Morgan Riley, and it's time to suspend Morgan Riley. And like, well, Morgan Riley made a comment a few years ago. That was deemed to be sexist, and and again, rightfully so. But like, other than that, the guy is very involved in 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 the you can play movement and and involved in inclusiveness around the game, trying to be an ambassador of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, he's not going to say something like that at a ref because he blows off an ice in a he, game that's already over. He's not an idiot. He knows yeah. that. Like, he's played in Toronto for what six years now. He's well aware that everything gets magnified. He's well aware that people are going to hear things and, and judge you a certain... Like, I feel like he can keep his emotions in check enough to not say something like that. Because, like, that's not a word in my vocabulary, and I have to believe it's not in his. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, I don't understand how people could watch that video more than once and not even think about the fact that there might be another, like, answer to this. And just assume that it was him right away. And to me, that was what kind of pissed me off the other night. Because I don't, I don't think that's fair to anyone to assume anything like that. No, you're not wrong. I mean, like, I, I watched the interview there they had with, we had with Dubas. And Dubas. Dubas. Dubas niche. <laughs> um, and you're watching the interview and you're, you're taking in the information. And then, and then something struck, stuck out to me about... 10 minutes in and I kind of realized at once that Kyle Dubas doesn't have to be here right now. Morgan Riley doesn't have to be here right now. The Leafs no. don't have to hold a press conference at two o'clock in the afternoon uh, on an off day after a terrible loss. Uh, they could have stayed home to apologize for doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, especially after the league had already deemed like this wasn't like the Leafs came out first thing in the morning and said, hey, this didn't happen. We're we're out of this yeah. They waited till the league was done. Then they scheduled a press conference. They came out, they said their piece and they did not have to do that. And I, I think that that shows a bigger initiative to get this idea about inclusiveness and uh, everyone is a, a part of the game and a, anybody can love hockey. And Kyle Dubas and Morgan Riley came up, faced the cameras, faced the media and they put that notion forward, and they said, "Look, this is a this is something that we shouldn't be talking about today. This is something that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, we're saying that it didn't happen. And even despite the fact that we believe that this is a non-issue, we're taking the opportunity yeah. to make an make an issue out of it and and say like 
it shouldn't even get to this point. Yeah. So that was big from from what I saw. Yeah. Well, one thing that kind of got me today on Twitter too was like, yeah, there was a it was a tweet I saw. By the way, I've been getting real block happy lately. I don't even want to look at like the brand. I've I've seen tweets by people and not even looked at their profile. I just block them. I block. Wow. Oh yeah, love it. I love like to, it. I like to stir the pot a little oh, bit. Oh, um, sometimes I do. Yeah, not often. Yeah, I just like blocking. I like to cultivate my world as quick as possible. Okay. But I saw a tweet that was kind of like it was almost like it was demonizing the Leafs further here by saying like. Now it's kind of ridiculous that we're treating Morgan Riley like he was like physically attacked last night, but like he kind of was. Like his reputation completely went under fire for twelve hours on on Twitter last night, or not? Well, the other night, not just for twelve hours. Like, like despite what the league said, despite what the Leafs said, this this might be a lingering thing where the next time somebody might say something, oh, it's Morgan Riley, like. Well, no, well, he, didn't, he didn't say that. I'm sure you've so, got your idiots out there that think, like, the Leafs paid off the league or something to fucking, like, make it go away, right? Sure. But that, that's neither here nor there. But, like, uh, to me, like, that all that does to me by saying that Morgan Riley's, like, or that we're taking this too far, that Morgan Riley, like, forget about it, like, whatever, like, it's not that big a deal, it almost undermines the situation and, and, and like moves gravity away from the meaning of that word because like i think people need to understand that when you make an open point to to try to give back to the community to try to help people feel included because you understand that not a lot of people do that and 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 people need to try to do that to help everyone feel as included as they can that when you take your own time to do that and then all of a sudden all that work and everything that you stand for comes under fire like it's gonna hurt yeah you're gonna he's he's gonna feel terrible like the guy probably felt awful on tuesday night reading that stuff and i mean at the same time he knows he didn't do it but like that doesn't help you see everyone online calling you a well, fucking could, asshole could you imagine saying, trying like, to get to bed that night after the game oh i wouldn't have been able to say sleep. anything and i wouldn't have been able to sleep he looked like he didn't sleep that night mind you he looks like that all the time yeah, but, that's fair yeah like trying to have that impact on you yeah it's just to me man like people saying that like it's not fair to kind of like this is completely fair like it was not fair at all for anyone to take a video of that and assume it was morgan riley and right. it, you know, I guess for a lot of people, this is a this is a learning curve to maybe take these things with a grain of salt and hear what you hear, but don't assume you know who's saying it. And but I I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I I was I was on Twitter and I was like in shock that all these people assuming it was Morgan Riley because like uh, like granted I I saw the video and I, I I'll admit it looked like Morgan Riley said it, but how the fuck could you know that when there's 50 other people at ice level? There's so much going on from the benches. There's two guys standing between the benches with microphones in their hand. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that word is said, Greg Millen starts talking. Like, how do you not just think that maybe his mic picked up one of the other 40 fucking people within 10 feet of either side of him? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand how we shoot that quickly and... But regardless, like uh, it's a learning curve for a lot of people. I'm glad to hear Morgan Riley didn't say it. 
I don't know, Sinead. Here's the thing I don't know. Has the NHL gone any further with this organ, uh, investigation yet? Do we know, like, was was a homophobic slur actually used? I, I don't know if they ever determined that. I think that at the end of the day, they were just focused on if it was Morgan Riley and they came out, they said it wasn't Morgan Riley yeah. and that that was more or less the end of it. Because well, it's, it's hard It's hard at that point. Exactly. Unless the player comes forward or Greg Millen can, like, you know, accurately say he heard someone say it, but he was about to talk. He probably didn't fucking hear it. Right. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like, does the league make a deal out of this at all if, you know, there's not this blow up on social media about like, it's, it's one thing to say, Hey, we can hear something here, but we don't know who it is. It's another for all of, you know, ho- the hockey world to come for. Well, I-, I heard Morgan Riley say this. Well, hang on a second. Like we don't know that Morgan Riley said that now let's, let's back it up. Let's yeah. figure it out. Let's find out what really happened. And I, 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 I hope we didn't hear what we all heard. I hope that's, that's not what happened. Um, because that place has no, that language has no place in our game anymore. It never did. But, you know, now I think it's important to realize that a lot of people in the hockey community and society are taking a stand against that kind of shit. And, like, we shouldn't, we, that shouldn't be involved at all. No. And I don't, like, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's a social debate at this point, but, like, I, I really don't understand how that enters people's vocabulary when they get mad. Uh, like, there are just certain words that just aren't said, and I don't know how even, like, in your in your fieriest of rages, how some of these words come out of people's mouth. Um, so I'm hoping that that's not what we heard, but uh, I still hope the NHL does a further investigation, and if they can find any answer to it, possible uh, definitive answer, I hope yeah. they do. Because, uh, yeah. I think uh, the fact that they haven't just speaks to the idea that we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions because yeah. even for the league, it's almost impossible that yeah. for them to know. Well, just do so. the, do the investigation yeah. uh, internally at this point, right? And, yeah, and find out what you can find out. Um, I don't have an ad segue. Speaking of internal investigations, we should. Okay, got a couple of lakes we can internally investigate. Yeah, sure. So James, I, I, I just I just read off the screen there. So you're you're just gonna you're just gonna read it, buddy, and, okay. and you can like pepper in your own little knowledge here and there if you've got any. Okay, so so just what I what I see on the screen here. Sure. Okay. Swoop Airlines. Uh, <laughs> I I kid. Uh, today's episode of a laced up. Do me a favor. Don't don't mention Bill Verocco. Oh okay okay. I I think. I think one once once was enough. Okay. So okay. <clears throat> Doe a deer, a female deer. Ray. Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Airedale Fly In Fishing and Hunting. Located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since nineteen forty five. They have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps that are all in unique, and the fly-in experience helps keep the lakes pristine and the fishing extraordinary. For fishing, the area is host to brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, perch, and walleye. Yeah, it is. Pickerel, yeah, it is. As it's known if you're Canadian. Airedale is open from May 15th to October 31st. So with a limited time remaining this year, it well, oh yeah, yeah. see you see, got it. Yeah, see that's where you gotta you just gotta read ahead. I'm a there, rookie, buddy. you know yeah, that's okay. Just, you know it's, that's okay. But May fifteenth is coming up. 
It is. We're getting we're getting close. March Madness starts next week, which means <laughs> exams are the week after. Which means which means season is starting. It's coming. So uh, if you haven't already, make sure you get out. You book your spot uh, at uh, Wawa, Ontario. Fantastic place. I've been there. You've been there. We love the city. Uh, we've never done the fishing, but this might be the summer. You know, get on board with Airedale. Got a nice little summer, some beers, some fish, some, some Yeah, we flying. never did get up last year. Yeah, we didn't. We should maybe try to get up yeah. this year. Record so, a podcast from there. You think with the spot... Our lovely friends from Airedale. You think the spots are filling up already? Oh, I would imagine. I think so. Yeah. We I, might be I, late already. Yeah, so you might... Uh, if, you, if you're if you a fishing folk, definitely look into booking soon. Yeah, you got till Halloween. If you haven't got your costumes picked out, you can get your fishing spot secured. That's sure. for sure. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, start planning your trip for next year. Uh, it's a great opportunity for a weekend get away with friends, family, experience the wilderness like never before. Visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information and begin planning your trip to Airedale today. Nice, Jimmy. Congrats, your first ad read. How did, how did how did you feel? Uh, kind of like um, like a junior at a high school dance for the first time. Ooh, yeah. So elaborate well you know like sometimes you get there and like you're kind of like oh, i don't know like i'm not really wearing anything that anyone else is wearing and you know i, I kind of know that one guy in the corner there but you know we we haven't really talked since that one project we had in uh, science class back in october and you know uh, she's kind of cute but uh, she's never going to go for me because you know i didn't I didn't get my hair cut last week because my mom didn't uh, make my appointment for me and and now I'm stuck drinking this stupid punch while they're playing Green Day's Holiday in the background. And I just kind of want to go home at this point. So, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I felt. Um, Patrick Marlowe is on pace to potentially play the most games of any player in NHL history. It could be done. Um, so this sparked a little bit of a debate on Twitter this week. Is Patrick Marlowe a Hall of Fame player? In your eyes, agree or dip? Well, I guess I didn't make a statement, so yay or yeah. nay. Um, this is largely dependent upon whether or not you agree with the way the Hockey Hall of Fame inducts its members. Well, yeah. See, like that's the thing is more so would would Patrick Marlowe get in your Hall of Fame? No. Okay. And if you had a vote on this current Hall of Fame, so say you're going by these rules, does Patrick Marlowe get in the Hall of Fame? He's almost a lock. Yeah? Yeah. Like, he's got 550 goals. You know, if he plays long enough, maybe he gets to 600. Um, he's going to go down in the top three in terms of games played by the end of his career. Um, 1,200 points-ish. That's, those are all Hall of Fame numbers uh, based on the standard that the Hall of Fame works with. So, at the end of the day, he's, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, it might not be a first ballot, but I don't think at this point there's a guy in there um, that had anything to do with the San Jose Sharks, aside from maybe, you know, Rob Blake finishing his career out there for a season. So... <laughs> Oh my God! Rob Blake was a San Jose Shark. Yeah, wait till you. I remind you that Jeremy Roenick was too. Yeah. Um, so like Patrick Marlowe could go down as kind of like you know that the face of the franchise kind of guy. He's gonna get his number retired there. 
it just kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to happen. I just, I don't know. I don't think we should be evaluating players on their longevity to the game. Uh, kind of like a Mike Gartner, kind of like a Mark Recchi. Guys that never really won anything in their careers, was never really the best player yeah, Mark, in the league Mark at Recchi's any point. Mark Recchi's not a Hall of Famer to me. And, like, if you think Marlowe is, then you think Recchi is to me. Yeah. And vice versa, right? Like, if Recchi's not, then Marlowe's not. Like, I think you've got to group them in the same group kind of thing because, like you alluded to, like, Patrick Marlowe has never won in a major award. He's never been in consideration for a major award. Like, he's never right. been one of the best players in the league at any given time. Like, he's been a solid player. He was on the fucking Olympic team. But, like, Marlowe yeah. will he'll, he'll match Recchi in games played this year. And he'll still be over 300 points behind Recchi. Yeah. So, you know, like, like Mark Recchi, his accomplishments were far greater than Patrick Marlowe's ever were. So, if you're going to pick between the two, then I think Recchi's your guy. But... Again, neither of them were the best player in the league. They never won anything. They never, you know, they just played long enough to get those numbers. And maybe there's something to be said about, you know, attrition and longevity and, you know, like playing 23 years in the league. That's impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from anybody here. But that shouldn't reward you for a Hall of Fame career because you just keep coming back year after year after year, and you happen to be good enough to come into the league when you were 18 as opposed to 21, 22. Yeah. There is one thing that I would say that maybe if Patrick Marlowe gets in, and I think this would be the reason, and it's not so much... I mean, while the game's played, will be the reason. But I think this is kind of the supporting argument, and to me this would should be the main argument. He is a two-time gold medalist. And to me, there is something to be said for that because it is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, there have been a lot of players who have won two gold medals at the Olympics that we have not put in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I'm not saying that's right. But what I am saying is that he's done it. It's an accomplishment. He's done other things that are accomplishments. Would I put him in mine? No. But there's a lot of people that are in the Hall of Fame that I wouldn't put in mine. The difference is the Hockey Hall of Fame is a business. And you want to go and see your favorite player or a player you remember, and you want to go see it. You want to see as much shit as possible. Like, let's be honest. So, should they put him in? Probably. Because why not? Honestly, it, it like it is sort of an attendance mark at this point. It is. If you went and you had a good career and you did a couple things, then they're gonna be happy that you showed up and participated at class. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I get the argument. I just. I don't. I don't see it that way. Yeah. So no. Well, but we'll see. Either way, if he gets a cup before he's done, right? Maybe we're talking about something else. But well, right. I mean, like if he if he gets a Stanley Cup the year he retires, right, and goes out on top, like that'll be his fifth Stanley Cup, right? So that'll mm, be right when he retires at the age of forty-seven. Yeah, because I mean, like that that is one credit to Recky is that he did have those cup championships, right? But. Patrick Marlowe never never got there. How many did Recky win? Three. Three? Yeah. Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh. Montreal. I thought it was, I thought he went back to back with Pittsburgh. Back to back when in the nineties? Was he on Pittsburgh back then? No, he was traded before their second cup. Yeah, no, I, I well, and then he won in 09 with Pittsburgh is what I'm thinking though. Like on the back half, no, didn't he? He didn't win there. So he only win two. Boston. 
Ah, fucking stupid fuck. That's why I don't like Mark Recky. Um, our top ten. Top ten? Top ten. Top ten. Top ten this week. Uh, our top ten this week is we decided to do the ten worst teams to make the playoffs since 1992. In honor of the worst, the West. Oh. West worst wild card. It's terrible. It's terrible. The West wild card waste Ah, is what it is. Yes. Um, So because of the waste in the West, we decided to pay homage to some terrible teams that have made the playoffs. Now, what we learned was, when we did this, is uh, there have been a lot of bad teams to make the playoffs. Because James and I tried to make our list into one and combine, uh, you know, and uh, basically, yeah. You could actually almost make the argument that there's more bad teams that made the playoffs than good teams that have made the playoffs. Probably. So what we're going to do, we're just going to do five each. And uh, it's going to be, it'll be like a top five. And we're each going to have top five kind of thing. Nice. So what's your good top five? What's your five there, guy? Uh, So number five for me is uh, the 0102 Phoenix Coyotes. That's right. Back before they were Arizona, you kids might remember these were the Phoenix Coyotes. When they actually had a city to play in. Don't worry, I got a fake team next, kids. Not even real. Love a good fake team. Uh, So their regular season didn't go all that bad. Uh, They actually finished second in the division. Um, However, that being said, their leading leading point scorer was Damon Lenkow. Now, I will pause a moment to allow all of you at home to go and Google who Damon Lenkow is. No, they know who Damon Lenkow is. Damon Lenkow is the guy that uh, Kyle Hogan's supposed supposed to host his show on Hockey Central with. Damon Lankow led the team with 62 points that season. Yeesh. I don't think I don't think David Lankow led anything in his life until that point. So good on him. I think there was a team like in the late 2000s with Calgary where he got like 77 points and led the team. That's wild. Actually. I think so. That's um, yeah, he's an underrated player for sure. A 35 year old Sean Burke was really the only reason this team was any good. Had a fantastic season, kept them afloat all year long. Um, in the playoffs, this is where things get uh, pretty wiry for them. Uh, they got uh, they actually won one game, which is more than most of the teams on my list. Cool. Uh, but they went out uh, in five against the Sharks. Four of those games, they uh, only scored one goal. So. That's it? That's her. Okay, my number five is the Atlanta Thrashers. Who? Uh, the 2006-2007 Atlanta Thrashers, to be exact. Now... Uh, I should add, before I really get into it, uh, the leading scorer on the team this year was Marion Hossa, who got 100 points in 82 games. So great for Marion Hossa. He had a fantastic season. Kozlov got 80 points in 81 games. Slava. And Ilya Kovalchuk got 76 points in 82 games. So I, I, I know what you're thinking. You're at home and you're like, well, how bad could this team be? Um, the next uh, leading point getter was Scott Mellenby with 36 points. 76 to 36. And then John Sim with 29. Bobby Holik with 29. Like, this was a terrible team. Um, now, I should mention that Thunder Bay legend Steve Ruchin was on the team. So shout out to Stevie Boyd. Um, Kari Lettinen had a 9-12 save percentage and a 279 goals against average. He played 68 games that year. So they just kind of rode him as much as they could, and uh, it showed. Wow. Go Thrashers. Uh, They played four games and were swept by, I believe, the New York Rangers. I didn't even look it up. It doesn't really matter. They got swept. 
by a team that didn't win the cup. I know that. Uh, that was actually the only team that we actually had on both our lists. Yeah. So that that's fun yep. little anecdote there. For sure. So that's her. That's her. That's yeah. all I got to okay. say. Oh yeah. No, I got to sound. I got to sound off on these other teams. That's so, right. So I got to save some of my voice. Uh, n- uh, number four for me, the 2013-2014 Detroit Red Wings, coached by none other than Mike Babcock. Uh, so we had a good execution. Uh, you know, anytime you come into the building, you know you got to be prepared. You got to be ready to start on time. You know that's a that's a big opportunity. And you know tonight we got another opportunity. So uh, you know we just got to show up. We got to get our legs going. You know get the goats going. And uh, you know as long as the goats are going, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Masters polish your shoes. Fair to say the goats were not going in 2014. <laughs> uh, this team failed to get 40 wins on the season, finishing fourth in their division. Um, admittedly, when I first looked this team up, I thought this was the lockout shortened season because the team lead in points was 49. Read them, 49 by 41-year-old Daniel Alfredson led the Red Wings in scoring. Fuck, you found a gem. This was a doozy. Who was in net and what were their numbers, please? Um, Jimmy Howard was the starting goaltender with a 9-10 on the season. Jonas the Monster Gustafson backed up. Not much better. Peter Morazic actually had a really good season, but he was only 21, and I, I don't think Mike Babcock was going to go with the rookie there. Was this the year they got knocked out in seven by the uh, Lightning? Nope. This was not the year they got knocked out in seven by Lightning. This is the year that they uh, got knocked out in five versus the Bruins, in which they never scored more than two goals in a game. When the hell did the Red Wings ever play the Bruins? Well, 2014. 2014. They won that. They won one nothing in game one. They lost four in a row, uh, being shut out once and managing one goal, two goals, and two goals. So, an uh, outstanding offensive performance by, you know, a very capable offensive team led by the 49-point man himself, Daniel Alfredson. Okay, well, that's great, James. Um... My number four is the 1995-1996 Calgary Flames. Now, again, Theron Fleury led them in points. 96. Good season. Uh, German Titov was second with 67 points. Nylander's dad had 55. Phil Housley was also on this team. And then it gets worse. Next was Gary Roberts, who, you know, had a good season, but he only played 35 games because, you know. Broke his neck. He uh, he got hurt. His his neck. He broke it. And he came back <laughs> at 32 years old. Um, his neck. <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, the... <laughs> The late Zarly Zalapski was, I guess, one of the uh, the bright spots on D. He had 12 goals that year. Um, but, yeah, this team got swept by the Chicago Blackhawks, who were not that great. Their two goaltenders that year were uh, Trevor Kidd and Rick Tabaracci, who, uh, yes, I know, kids, you, uh, you can Google that as well. Um, not a good team. Kind of just snuck in, but they were still somehow the sixth seed. And, uh, yeah, not good. Real not good. Shit team, <laughs> for sure. It broke his neck! Yeah. All right. Well, uh, number three for myself uh, is the 2000-2001 San Jose Sharks. 
you may remember this era of the Sharks as being the team that knocked out the President's Trophy Blues a season before. Uh, and the Blues came back for revenge this year. I'll, I'll, I'll preface that. But uh, no, this team was not good. Uh, not good. Uh, they were actually better than they were the year before. But, you know, based on their playoff performance, I, I couldn't I couldn't put the uh, 2000 team on this list. So um, let's get right down to it. Hall of Famer Patrick Marlowe at the tender age of 21 was the leading scorer with 52 points. Yeah, 52. You heard it. Owen Nolan actually had a pretty good season. Uh, he was uh, hurt, missed about 30 games, still put up 49. Respectable, but uh, not not great when that's your your your, your go-to guy uh, at number two. Uh, Evgeny Nabokov followed up his Calder performance with a, a fairly strong season, uh, a 9-15, 32 wins, good enough. Uh, Mika Kiprasov actually got into five contests that year, so that's that's nice. That's great for them. And a fun fact of, of the five teams in my list, uh, this team won the most with with two. They won they won two games in the playoffs. That's good. Uh, they lost to the St. Louis Blues in six, um, also being held to to one goal three times. So it's just uh, again these offensive outbursts are just fantastic. I love it. I love it when teams show up to play in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, my number three is the, uh, coincidentally, from the same year as my Calgary Flames team, the 1995-1996 Vancouver Canucks. Now again, Patrick McGillney. Pa- Patrick McGillney. Alexander McGillney. It's been a long day. <laughs> oh, yeah, Actually, that's how bad they were. Patrick oh, McGillney. Patty McGillney. Oh, Patty McGillney. Oh, Patty McGillney. Why don't you come get a pint of Guinness, huh? Shiver me timbers. All right. Well, all right. Got some Irish content in late. <laughs> Love it. Snuck it in there right yeah. before the deadline. Uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Fucking Patty McGillney got 107 points that year. Trevor Linden had 80. Uh, kind of drops off. Cliff Ronning, Russ Courtnall. A lot of players that you kids have never heard of. Um, but what's notably so terrible about this team was Corey Hirsch was their better of their two goaltenders. He played 41 games. He had a 293 GAA and a 903 save percentage. Sounds like they would have been better off with a Hurst. Hurst, James. Yeah. That's Kirk, what I meant. Kirk McLean played 45 games that year. He had a 354 and an 879. Different era, but even for that era, very bad. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. The Vancouver Canucks lost in six to the eventual Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche. They were bad. No, that's fair. Um, in fact, all these teams are bad, and it's only going to get more depressing as we uh, enter the uh, final four teams. Buckle up, Islander fans. Yeah, this is going to get buckle. Real, this is going to get real up. sad. Uh, the 03-04 New York Islanders at second for my for my top five. Feel it. <laughs> Feel it is right. Feel it. 38 wins on the season. Not great. It gets worse. Uh, leading the team in scoring. It was actually a two-way tie. I, I, will, I will preface that. It was, it was a tie. I'm not going to take credit away from Oleg Kavasha, who did get a share in that. <laughs> <brightly>. <laughs> Jesus. 
with what? 12 points? Uh, 51, in fact. Uh, he had 15 goals, so that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> Venture to guess who he was tied with. Just just want to throw a name out from the early uh, Islanders. Mark Parrish. No, Trent Hunter, 51 Oh, points. my God. Yeah. Rookie of the Year candidate, Trent Hunter. Yeah, pretty much. It uh, was not a great season uh, by any stretch. Rick DiPietro suited up for 50 games that year. I think that's a career high. I could be wrong, but I'm I'm no I'm gonna guess that's a career high. Not a career high. Don't ask me how I know that. It's okay. almost like I have Islander stats open on oh, my. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Garth Snow, the GM, was the backup. Not at the same time, but <laughs> he was there. So uh, he, well, he did, explains he why he's play. such a bad GM. He's making all the trades from the bench. Yeah, you're not wrong. They played the Tampa Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, there was four shutouts in the series. Guess which team got shut out three times? <laughs> Pause. Yeah, it was the Lightning. Yeah. No. Uh, the Lightning uh, took that series candidly, uh, four games to one. Uh, credit to DiPietro, though. He did he did get a shutout, so that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number two is the 2002-2003 uh, New York Islanders. Hmm. The year before your team. Sensing a trend. Um, it, like it's worth fucking noting that the only reason these two teams made the playoffs is because their coach was Peter Laviolette. True. Like that was like the saving grace to these teams. Um, no, the the O two O three. Um, I, for, I fuck, I forgot what they were called. That's how bad they were. Uh, Alexi Yashin led them with sixty five points. Jason Blake had fifty five, which was uh, the second most I believe he got in his career. He got Mark Parrish. Dave Scatchard led them in goals with a career-high 27. Um, Mike Pekka was there. Sean Bates had a career-high 42 points. Like, it was just a lot of guys combining for the best years of their career kind of thing to string it the fuck together. Uh, Garth Snow, again, and Nett actually had possibly the best season of his career. Um, but that was kind of it, was Laviolette and Garth Snow. And basically a bunch of guys who were never that great featuring Chris Osgood in sort of a backup role. Very depressing. Bad team. Very depressing. It's going to get worse. Um, I, I don't know if, if you had planned this, but we got a little bit of time here. So I'm, I'm going to end off with my uh, my number one team on the list. I'm going to go... Uh, Dog. I'm going to go this far and, and tell you right off the bat. They lost in five to the New York Rangers in the playoffs. Uh, they scored four even-strength goals in the series. It was a, not a great showing. I'm talking, of course, about our favorite favorite team, uh, the Florida Panthers, um, who you may remember have only ever won uh, a couple playoff series all the same year back in 95-96. We're not talking about that team. We're talking about the team that came after. So, yeah, the, the, we're talking about the same team. The 96-97 Florida Panthers. Nice. God-awful. Um their leading scorer had 60 points. Real quick, Brutes. Can you name anybody from this roster? I'm, I'm real curious. The 96-97 Panthers. Okay. Um, Scott Mellenby. Second on the team in points. Ed Jovanovsky. Ooh. He was there, yes. 20 years old. <laughs> John Van Beesbrook. Uh, he was the starting goaltender. Not a terrible season. He's probably the reason that they made the playoffs. Oh, 
fuck. Now it gets a little sketchy. You're, you're doing pretty good. I, I thought you'd get Van Breesbrook and that would be about it, but... Oh, man. <laughs> Who... Did they even yeah. have a full team? Uh, like, can you confirm that they dress 18 players that year? It was a mishmash. They, they, it was a supporting cast kind of team, for sure, so... Uh, I had two guys play a full season. If that helps. No. no I didn't think so. <laughs> I don't know. Radic Dvorak? Uh, yes. Uh, he was fourth <laughs> on the team in what? scoring as a 19-year-old. Oh, my goodness. Still alive. Yeah, it's, it's going to get real fucking hairy after this, though, man. Like, I don't even know if my next guest ever played for the Florida Panthers. He's just like a 90s guy that did hop around a bit. I'm excited. Uh, uh, cancer survivor, though. Uh, John Cullen. You ever play for the Panthers? I feel like he was there at some point. Well, I'm not saying he didn't play for the Panthers, but he didn't play this season. Okay. So, uh, I'm so sorry. Um, Who was a coach? Coach was Doug McLean. So, yeah, that should tell you all you need to know. Oh, good. So, they got there because of their good coaching. Yeah, I, I won't read you everybody, but just some notable names. Ray Shepard led the team in scoring. Oh, nice. We're related. Uh, <laughs> be sure to let them know you forgot about Yeah, that's sucking great. Uh, Robert Shvela, Rob Niedermeyer, Johan Garpenlov, <laughs> uh, Dave Lowry, Martin Straka, Tom Fitzgerald, Brian Scrudland. Martin played for the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Huh. Scrudland. Scru- Stu Barnes. Sick. Uh, that's that's about it. So yeah, okay. just a terrible, terrible. All team. right. Yeah. My number one. I can't imagine who this could be. The 2006-2007 New York Islanders. Is this just payback for the whole Tavares thing the other night? Or? Nope. No. Okay. 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 Um. Okay. Here's my reason. All right. Jason Blake. The career high in goals and points that year. Forty-four. Right? He got forty. Uh-huh. And 69 nice points. Miro Shatan. Mike Sillinger with a career high 59 points and 26 goals. Victor Kozlov with one of the best seasons of his career. Alexi Yashin did good in the time he played. Tom Pody with a career high in points. I'm going to assume Andy Hilbert had a career high in points. Basically, this was a team of just like guys that were not that great overachieving. Like fucking Richard Park had a good year. Uh, their goaltending, 62 games, Rick DiPietro with a 919 and a 258. So Rick DiPietro had the best season of his career, which was not Vesna worthy. And uh, they made the playoffs, scraped in, made a trade, stole Ryan Smith away from the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And somehow Richard Zednick only played 10 games for this team. Wait, this is the reason that Ryan Smith cried? Yeah. Fuck that team. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not uh, not a great team. They lost in five games. And uh, I'm very happy to report that they lost in five games to the Buffalo Sabres, hmm. who were sick. Nice. First in the uh, East. Good for them. Yep. That's very That's depressing. my opinion. Worst team to ever make the playoffs. Sure. Terrible team. Sure. Awful who, who coached team. that team? Uh, can you guess? Because uh, let me tell you. Also, other than DiPietro, I would say the reason they made the playoffs. Everyone overachieved. DiPietro played well. 
And they were well coached. Ted Nolan? Yep. Nice. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> if I told you that there was a roster of bad players and they made the playoffs, who would you say coached them? Well, Ted Nolan. Oh, the Latvian head coach himself. Yeah. <laughs> the head coach of the Latvian national team. Okay. Well, that's laced up for this week, guys. Uh, thanks for playing along. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Clomper, Pocket Casts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, love us on your drive to Winnipeg. And uh, once again, we'd like to thank all of our Portugal radio uh, listeners that have uh, been following along since last week. Port- Portugal radio. <laughs> All That's right. it for us. Uh, I, I, yeah, I got nothing. You good? Uh, oh, I, I had an article. Uh, oh, I yeah, I, 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 I put out an article uh, three days ago now, I guess. I ranked the uh, top ten St. Louis oh, Blues teams. Yeah. I, want, and, I do want to read that. I and and, read and where, I the, that. where this season's team falls. Uh, it does if, sound if, interesting. If, they're, if they are the greatest team. Spoiler, they are there. I'm so sorry if you were holding. I on to figured. It. I, I, you know what? And this, this is wild. I actually, I, I forgot to mention this. This is wild. I actually, I put the the article goes out within two minutes of the article being being live. I didn't even know it was up yet until I got this Twitter notification from some guy commenting, "They're not the best team, and there's no way that they're the best team in Blues." So thank you <laughs> thank for, you for reading, reading the article. Thank article. you for tuning in. Yeah, I yeah. love people that just read headlines and assume that's that's what the article's about. Yeah, oh yeah, it happens every article I put out. I, I am a book. Comments. Please judge me by my cover. And that is all I have to say. So, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Um, cool. Yeah. Find us on Portugal Radio. <laughs> Estamos aqui agora com o atacante Rosivan, que fez um golaço nesse jogo. Eu dibrei um, eu dibrei dois, dei tudo de si, dibrei três e, e fui dibrando. Dicionário de português, 70 reais com Mastercard. Como era jogo de seis pontos, nós somamos três pontos e, e ficamos a, a dois do líder, né? Livro de matemática, 45 reais. Ah, agora é pra Tóquio, eu sempre quis conhecer as Europa, né? Atlas Geográfico, 100 reais. Saber tudo de futebol, não tem preço. Existem coisas que o dinheiro não compra. Para todas as outras, existe Mastercard, patrocinador oficial da Copa do Mundo FIFA.